you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Stay in your lane, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I am Erin. I'm Sasha. And we are back for another week, but okay, before I get there, Sasha, I just want to ask, how are you? I'm, I'm going to wait and we'll tell people what we're talking about in just a moment. <laughs> how are you? I'm well. Um, long holiday weekends um, mm-hmm. are just brutal in my old age. Like. <laughs> We just had like people were around because it was like the first holiday really that we've been able to actually interact with other people and have them be around. So it's exhausting. <laughs> it is like just hosting or not even hosting, but just doing things with people is a lot of work. It's mm-hmm. a lot of like, I am for sure, like I'm tired because I kind of let my sleep schedule get off a little bit yeah, over the the weekend and so then waking up at my more like quote-unquote normal time on a Tuesday that feels like a Monday I am Uh feeling it today (laughs) so if you are the same if you when you are listening to this if you are feeling the same because you may be listening to this on a Wednesday a Thursday a Friday we're probably all feeling pretty tired right now yeah for sure and that's okay I am also getting really, really tired of us having, I feel like the same conversations on this podcast, but y'all, we're going to have to keep having the same conversations on this podcast. And I'm going to tell you why for all of you who showed up because you were like, yes, the name image likeness episode is finally here. The running joke is we're never going to (laughs) have because we're pushing it another week, but fair, like to be fair, I was ready for it. I had all of my notes, everything, because so name image likeness has officially gone into place. Um, we've seen a couple of big endorsement deals like Spencer Radler signed with, uh, raising canes. Uh, we've seen a couple of bigger things like that, but for the most part, we've seen more of, uh, athletes creating their own brands as far as selling Mm -hmm. t-shirts, um, maybe holding camps. Uh, the thing that I really want to dive into and we will get there. So like, please bear with us, come back next week, but please still listen to this episode. But the reason that, we are pushing will make sense, but I was ready because there's so many things about name, image, and likeness that I think people are learning over this last, this last week where they're like, Oh, a student athlete couldn't have an Etsy shop. Oh, a student athlete. Mm-hmm. Heck my dog is agreeing in the background. If you heard him shaking, he's saying, <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Um, I mean, student athletes couldn't, you know, if they were a musician, they couldn't go book a show and like have their friends and family come and pay $5 to see them. There's so many of these things that people are now going like, Oh my oh. gosh. Like, you're telling me these things weren't, these weren't allowed and they weren't. So we are going to dive into this. There's so much about name, name, image, and likeness that I'm excited to talk about. Um, If you have a question, let's just get this out of the way. If you have a question or something that you want us to cover on name, image, and likeness, like shoot us an email at mindyourownpodcast at hillvarsity.com in the next week. 
And we can try to include that in because like I said, I was ready for it. So ready for it. But then on, was it July 4th? Yes, I think it was. On Independence Day, um, the New York Times, which I guess that was a Sunday. So a big Sunday expose comes out with the headline, a disparaging video prompts explosive fallout within ESPN. So I saw this and I thought we're going to have to push the name image like this episode because this story, which centers around Rachel Nichols, is about so much of what we talk about on this podcast. And it felt like we can't push this topic because name, image, and likeness are still going to be a thing a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. But this is so new. This is so fresh that I felt like when I said it to Sasha, we need to talk about this. It was something where we need to talk about it now. We can't wait because by the time we wait, the news cycle will have changed. People may have moved on to something else. Not that you should, honestly. This is a story that I hope people sit with for a little while, but I'm just saying it felt like we needed to talk about it on this podcast now. Yeah, I, I agree. I saw that and I wondered, um, I saw it Sunday afternoon. I didn't see it right away Sunday morning. Um, but I was like, I'm wonder, I wonder if we are, we should be talking about this on Tuesday. And then when you brought that up, I was like, I same page, same page. Synergy. We have that synergy. (laughs) So if you're somebody who maybe saw a little bit of this, there's a couple of different things. Like maybe you're casually following the story. Maybe you saw it, but because it was a holiday weekend, didn't have the chance to circle back to it. Again, everything will be linked within the show notes at hillvarsity.com. So please, if you want to go read the, the New York Times article, please do. There are so many pieces that are out there right now. Google is certainly your friend if you want to learn more. Um, but I'm going to give just a quick overview because there's a lot to break down here. If you are somebody who's going, hey, this story sounds a little bit familiar. I feel like I've heard about this. You may have. Deadspin got a hold of the audio or the video of Rachel Nichols in 2020, shared something at the time on that. And so, yes, this is not technically a news story, but the New York Times really dove into what has really gone on behind the scenes at ESPN over this time period, which as we are now learning has not like as ESPN has tried to handle this internally for months, Mm -hmm. it has continuously gotten out of ESPN's grasp. I'm going to just say a lot of it is because ESPN is ill-equipped in many ways to handle so many of these things within its own organization, its own company. But that is another piece to this. Let's just start with what happened. So in July of 2020, um, Rachel Nichols was in Orlando. She was, let me grab my, I'm all ready for this. And then I click away. (laughs) Wasn't she on quarantine um, for the seven day mandatory period and had like a camera? Yep. So she arrived in Florida. She arrived in Orlando, Florida for um, the bubble of the end for the NBA playoffs or for the NBA and the NBA playoffs. Um, because of this, she was because of the pandemic, she had to be in quarantine, as Sasha said. Um, but ESPN obviously wanted her to continue still hosting her shows or being a part of shows. So they were able to get her set up with a camera, audio, all of the things needed within her hotel room so she could continue 
Long story short, she had a phone call conversation on July 13th, 2020 with Adam Mendelson, longtime advisor of LeBron James and James's agent, Rich Paul. Um, what they ultimately figured out is that she did not turn off the record, like the camera. It was recording. This camera picked up everything that she was saying. Now, it wasn't that somebody was, quote unquote, spying on her because mm -hmm. no one was watching that live. What is happening is the camera is recording and it's uploading into ESPN server. So then there are people in production back in Bristol, Connecticut, who are getting these feeds from the individuals in the NBA bubble or wherever they might be in the world who are doing these things, who have these similar setups. They're downloading them because they might be something that is being recorded for a show. So they're opening it. They're watching them. And of course that comes up people, dozens of ESPN employees, according to New York times had mm -hmm. access to this video, had access to the servers. This is part of normal workflow. One of those people watched it recorded on a cell phone, started sharing it. Um, this was something, like I said, you may have been familiar with the story initially when it first happened in 2020, because yes, that recording made its way to places like Deadspin, who ended up publishing more. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that happened within them. So Nichols and Mendelssohn are discussing ESPN's headquarters and just the culture of ESPN. And this is a quote from the video. Those same people who are like generally white conservative male Trump voters is a part of the reason I've had such a hard time at ESPN. I basically final, finally just outworked everyone for so long that they had to recognize it. I don't want to be, I don't want to then be a victim of them trying to play catch up for the same damage that affected me in the first place. You know what I mean? I'm so I'm just trying to be nice. What she was upset about is Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor, who, if you're a college football fan, you've seen her in ESPN College Game Day. You've also seen her a part of ESPN's NBA Countdown show. She had hosted the regular season in 2020. The network decided that she would handle the 2020 NBA Finals. It is a job that Rachel Nichols thought would be hers. And it instead went to Maria Taylor's. And Nichols, in speaking with Mendelssohn and with Adam Mendelssohn and Rich Paul, went on to say, I wish Maria Taylor all of the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. So even, even beyond this, which I, I think it's important because I feel like Adam Mendelssohn's comment is also not getting enough attention. He's yeah. even apologized and it didn't even show up in my, like, I haven't seen it kind of in my sphere. He responds to her and says, I don't know. I'm exhausted between me too and Black Lives Matter. I got nothing left to which Nicole Nichols then laughed. So this story, which again, I encourage you if you want to deep dive into everything that has happened the new york times does an excellent job reporting on this really yeah. breaking down all of the just very problematic pieces within it um yes rachel nichols has apologized 
uh, Maria Taylor, as far as we know at this point, has not chosen to respond to the, the offers of meeting with her, speaking with her. And that is totally Maria's decision. She has, mm -hmm. she does not owe it to anyone. She does not owe it to anyone to make them feel better about what they said. She has a job to do. If she is not here to educate or to make Rachel feel better or anyone else about what they said. Now, all of this kind of came to a head again, because long story short, as it turns out, other top ESPN analysts had considered a boycott over this video. And this is, this is where the New York Times dives into everything about how ESPN handled the aftermath, trying to make it so that Rachel Nichols was never live when Maria Taylor was on the show. Um, but then they start to have this thing where if Rachel Nichols is pre-recording everything, should the other sideline reporters or the other reporters have to then record, well, we want them to be live. So then what do we mm -hmm. do about Rachel? Um, the New York Times had reported that Maria Taylor thought ESPN had broken its word when it aired a live segment with Nichols, even though they did not include the interactions with Taylor. There's just a lot of layers to this where ESPN seemed, in my opinion, to try to just put a Band-Aid over the mm -hmm. situation of like, we'll just keep them separate. Don't put them in it. Like, don't have them talk to each other. Just do this. And it's like, that's not solving the problem. You're just, you're just like kind of, again, putting a Band-Aid over the situation. You're putting a Band-Aid on an open wound that needs stitches. Like, I don't understand why, why that would be the answer from ESPN for that situation. I, I would think that there would have there should have been some kind of mediation between ESPN, Rachel and Maria Taylor. Um, and you know, I, if, if Maria Taylor's like, I don't want to, yeah. like, I don't like that, then that is on ESPN to say, all right, then we got to figure out the next best step yes. because what you aren't going to do is then this past May. So May, 2021, as the playoffs are starting, um, ESPN's NBA production team informed the e NBA countdown team, which includes Maria Taylor, that if she refused to interact with Rachel Nichols, then no other sideline reporter, which by the way, includes three other black women would appear live on the show that created a ton of internal backlash. Like yeah. people were very upset, honest, like, I mean, the on-air panel was upset. Analysts were upset. Um, you had people like Woj who were saying this, this is Rachel Nichols is being a bad teammate things started to deteriorate and then where this really has kind of come to a head even more is Maria Taylor's contract is set to expire within three weeks at ESPN. Yeah. It seems very likely as far as the New York times has reported that she will no longer be at ESPN and she will be looking at other networks. Um, here's, here's the thing. And I am going to, I am going to link this one as well. Um, Ebony.com did a story and I, I'm just going to read the headline. It's a, um, I, I should say it's a column. It's an opinion piece. Uh, the writer said, haters are always going to hate. ESPN's Maria Taylor incident reminds us what happens when black excellence becomes too excellent. It's a really good commentary. I, I again, will link it at, on hailvarsity.com. I think within the show notes for this, I think it's really worth taking a read. Like, I think it's worth if you're going to take the time to read the New York times article to also then read this commentary. Um, because here's the thing that you need to know about Maria Taylor. I am not going to, for the record, I'm not going to sell you on her credentials. I don't need to. 
Maria mm-hmm. Taylor's credentials speak for themselves. She has her job because she's immensely talented. She knows what she's doing and she's earned it. Yeah. Full stop, period. I do not need to sell any of her credentials to anyone. And so if you are somebody who is sitting there going, well, what, what, you know, well, how do her and Rachel match up? I am not playing that game. Mm-hmm. I am not going to do the whole thing. Well, this person played basketball and this person didn't. It does not serve any woman to go down this path. Maria Taylor has her job because she worked at it. She is the thing that we have to remember in sports is sports is not the world of sports in jobs and not even jobs. Just the world of sports is not friendly to women. It's especially not friendly to black women. It's not friendly to people of color. You have black women who are working twice as hard to get half as much in this world. And that is okay. We'll get into that in just a second, because that is really the point of this. But the thing that you have to know about Maria Taylor is that she is actively fighting within the walls of ESPN for more representation for black women, for more representation for just women. She, I mean, in the New York Times piece, and Ebony points this out as well, Taylor has also given Malika Andrews, who is Black, a bigger role on NBA Countdown. Um, she, she is sitting at the table, and she is saying the names of those around her that deserve a chance. She yeah. is saying, this person deserves, this person deserves the opportunity to, like, for instance, when she noticed that the NCAA women's final four did not include any, and I'm reading from the New York times for the record. So just to credit the, the, to credit where credit is due. But when Maria Taylor noticed that the NCAA women's final four did not include any black women, she pressured the company to add Latrina Robinson as an analyst. And you know what ESPN did. So again, they talk about Malik Andrews, which Ebony brought up as well. She like is doing the thing that we say, as a true ally, you have Mm -hmm. to do. When you are in a room with people who are not there, are you willing to say their names? Are you willing to speak up for them? Are you willing to fight for them? Are you willing to say, hey, that person deserves that job. Hey, you should maybe contact that person. Are you doing that? Maria Taylor does that. So not only is she highly qualified, she is quite literally being the definition of an ally for black women in sports for women in sports she is doing the thing that so many people say that they're they're doing the same but here's the reality there rachel nichols is an example of the fact that when doors are closed and we think the cameras are off and when no one is listening and like when we talk about this on this podcast where we say sometimes it's not about what you say on social media it's about what you say to your friends and family when you don't think anyone else is paying attention it's when you stand up for stuff this is what we're talking about rachel nichols was in a space where she thought she was safe and that no one was going to know what she was saying and she let her thoughts come out that essentially Maria Taylor had her job because it was a diversity hire. She was put in the role. She was taking the job that Rachel felt was owed to her Mm -hmm. because of diversity. And saying that way, saying it that way, like to further explain and expand on why this is a problem Saying it that way is like saying that Maria Taylor hasn't worked her ass off just as much as anybody else to get where she's at, that somehow she's not as qualified or didn't work as hard and only got the job because of the color of her skin. Like, that's the problem. Just to like further expand on that, if it wasn't clear. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm going to read this verbatim from Ebony. So I'm, again, I'm going to link this in the show notes of Hale Varsity. I keep saying that because I want to be clear. These are not my words. So please go check this out um, because I really, 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 really loved how this was stated. Being an ally comes at a cost, plain and simple. Sometimes it's parting ways with a childhood friend that an ally eventually finds out is racist who has no intentions of changing. Oftentimes it means responding to a company whose policies are undeniably bent against women, groups of colors, groups of color, and other marginalized groups. And at times it means actually having an assignment be given to someone else because they are on the rise and have earned that opportunity, similar to how you may have taken on an assignment in part because of your work. And like Taylor, you too were on the come up at the time. The worst kind of allyship is the kind that smiles in your face and stabs you in the back. I want to just say that again. The worst kind of allyship is the kind that smiles in your face and stabs you in the back. We talk a lot on this podcast about how you can be an ally. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of people who in... I don't know if I've just done a really good job muting people, but I haven't had a lot of this lately. So like, I'm not trying to invite this into my mentions, but you know, it really sucks when somebody comes along and does that whole BS about, it's not about color. It's not about race. It's not about gender. It's not about this. It's about who's the most qualified. I, (laughs) We've said this before. I, I, yes, we agree. It's about who's the most qualified, but you're not going to get the most qualified candidate unless you're opening up the, the, the pool to ever like to everyone to apply and to have a chance because then you're only saying that it is a diversity thing. If you're just trying to check boxes here, like you right. really need to be truly opening up the pool for everyone to apply and to have a fair shot. If you are, if you are putting a job out and like for instance if I'm putting a job out for people to hire or to hire and every single applicant is a white man I need to be asking myself why did I not get any women why did I not Mm -hmm. get any people of color like that's not to say that this list that that applied is not qualified but like why the heck am I getting a very like I'm not getting a wide range of applicants I'm getting only a very small pool of applicants. Like why, where did I go wrong in trying to get this to be a position that I want all people to be interested in? Yeah. So my point here is, is when those people come though into my mentions, they're at least telling me how they feel. They're not being performative. They're not being an ally at all, but they're not being performative. They're just being completely open and honest about their archaic views. Like, I'm sorry, it's archaic. Like if you think like, Oh, it's all about that. Like it's archaic. Like we are in 2021. Let's move forward a little bit here. The worst kind of person is the one that says, I've got your back. Oh my gosh. I would sing your praises to the sky. You're amazing. You're, you're so good at your job. And then when the door closes is like, wow, nope, that person sucks. She sucks. That nope. Wouldn't hire them. Or when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I have a job. Do you know anything? Do you know anyone? Excuse me. If you do know yeah. anyone um, and you say, no, I don't. I mean, I'd be great for it, but no, no one else. Like you have right. a right to advocate for yourself a hundred percent. I don't want to like say, don't advocate for yourself, but what are you, why are you limiting other people? Like, what is, what is the, like, what is the, like, why, 
why do you feel you are entitled to something? Like, why does Rachel Nichols feel she's entitled to something because of where she's been? You still got to work. You still got to keep putting the time in. Yeah. (sighs) That is performative allyship at its finest. Um, Daryl Miles, he Mm. is the assistant athletic director of video service for services for Illinois. He's a former Husker. He worked for Husker vision. He tweeted a, he had a really good uh, tweet thread on all this. And he said, I'm just gonna add my two cents, but I really loved his one tweet where he said, so for those who want to be allies, you need to know that we are watching and I want to be Daryl is a black man. So when he says we are watching and those closed door conversations will eventually make their way back. As many have said, you didn't change your mask just fell off. And he said, or the, for those that know me, you just got put in a different box. Yeah. The thing is, is like, we're so afraid of what people are going to publicly think of us that like from a public perspective, we say what we think people want us to say, but then we yeah. don't change what we're saying behind closed doors. And that's why, again, Sasha's said this so many times. And I, I'm now like regurgitating it have these conversations with your friends, have them mm-hmm. with your family. They don't have to happen on social media, have some reflection in private. And some of the most important, some of those most important conversations. In fact, I think the majority of them, to be quite honest, especially given this example, those are the conversations that take the most work. They're the most difficult ones, but they're also the most necessary conversations to have. If you've got a friend or a family member or a close acquaintance or a fellow coworker that acts this way behind closed doors, they trust you. And that's the only reason that they're allowed, you know, they trust you or they wouldn't have this, they wouldn't be uh, their authentic self and, and, and say things like this behind closed doors if they didn't. So being like, hold on, do you realize like what you're saying when you're saying these things and like hat, like starting a conversation because of something that they've said, whether it be what Rachel Nichols said or something worse, um, even worse because it can escalate quite quickly as we know. Um, but having those conversations and stopping and being like, hold up, man, like, do you know what you're saying? Why do you feel that way? And I mean, so Mendelssohn, who is LeBron James PR advisor, he has apologized since his, his comment that he said in an email to CNBC is I shouldn't have said it or even thought it. I work to support these movements. And I know that people affected by these issues never get to be exhausted or have nothing left. I have to continue to track my, check my privilege and work to be a better ally. The thing that's interesting there Again, Rachel Nichols has apologized. Adam Mendelson has apologized. Like, good, apologies. Um, but apologies are little without action. But some of that action we will never see because some of that work has to be done internally for them. Because I think about, I think about Greg McDermott when he made the comment about the plantation and people were horrified. And he kind of like, it was summed up as like, this is a thing that was said in my past, like in my childhood. And people are like, wait up, hold a second. Like had never heard this. I actually am not discrediting that he may have heard that Mm -hmm. in his lifetime at some point. It's not something that was ever said around me, but that is not to say that that is not something that his grandparents did not say around him. Right. But the thing that you have to start asking yourself over time is how do I, 
how do I relearn? How do I teach myself that mm-hmm. that is not an appropriate comment? It is not okay. Um, because of the systemic, because of things are so systemic in our country, I am going to have thoughts. I am going to say things. I am going to, I am going to have a moment where I'm going to have to ask myself why, why is that what came out of my head? Why am I thinking that way? Why am I feeling that way? So yes, to Adam Mendelson to say like, I have to work to be a better ally. He needs to sit and reflect on why he felt exhausted by the Me Too movement. Why did you feel exhausted by Black Lives Matter? Why are you feeling, why are you feeling exhausted by these things? Like, why are they exhausting you? And if he has true reflection, he may be actually horrified in his own answers because it's going to have a realization of like, racism is systemic sexism is systemic there are so many things that like we do we think we know as white people that we don't even realize yep. that we know and we think and are ingrained in us I that call you those, have to unlearn. those moments that like you think something or are about to say something and you have to like i i call those the what the f's like where the hell did that come from? And why was I, why, where is, what is that? And it's not mm-hmm. usually like something that like, if I said it out loud would be like inherently shocking, but the fact that it's still ingrained in my thought process is an indicator to me that there is still work to be done. Like, why do I feel this certain way when a, a certain scenario comes up or have that same thought every time? Like that's on me. That's learned behavior that I have, that I have to pay attention to. Like all of us have it. Mm -hmm. Every single person. I have them on this podcast sometimes where I sit and think like after we're done recording where I'm like, oh, like I wish I hadn't said that. Like I think of the episode and by the way, I think about this episode a lot. The episode where I said powwow Mm -hmm. and I could have told Sasha, please remove that. I just want to get rid of that. Like, I just, I don't want a recorded instance of me saying this. Now, me saying that probably would not have triggered a whole lot of response in the moment. Like, I don't think a lot of people listening would have suddenly been like, oh, hold up. What did you say? Like, I honestly think it probably would have passed right by. Mm -hmm. But that is a word that I've actively been trying to remove from my vocabulary because it is, it, it is, for indigenous people, that is not a word that I should be using because it is, I'm, it's the same thing of like using spirit animal. Yeah. Um, there's just like low man on the totem pole. There are these, um, there are these words that are in these phrases and statements that are incorrectly representing an indigenous culture. Yeah. And I, have to like unwire my brain to a degree with some of these things because they're just something that like I have heard my whole life and it's not just from my family I've heard them from teachers and friends and people around me and when I say it it kind of it makes me sad for myself because it's like obviously it's not as easy as just going I'm gonna cut that out because if it were I wouldn't come up So you have to sit and reflect on why do I say these things? Why do I think this way? So for someone like Adam Mendelson or Rachel Nichols or anyone else in this world who has said something, done something, and they're sorry, sorry is step 1A. Mm -hmm. There are so 
many things that now have to happen. Like, I'm not saying that Rachel now can't become a better ally from this and make, you know, do wonders from this. Like she could use this as, as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to be better, but we don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what work she's doing. We don't know what she's doing in her free time. We don't know what she's thinking in her free time. And so you hope that these reflections are happening, but we don't know them to be true. And so that's why, excuse me, I'm just really quick. When we say, talk to your family members, if they're saying something, you got to, you got to kind of check those things. Right. Well, and what I was going to say was just, I mean, there's a difference between actually being sorry, like realizing what this, why the statement is an issue and feeling bad for yourself because you got caught. And I think that that's important to bring up just because like when you're having these conversations with your family members or your friends or whoever, and you're trying to have like start the conversation, continue the conversation, whatever, grow together, um, checking in on people on like, okay, so, you know, like what work are you doing or have you, found anything lately that, that you think I should read or just like continuing to keep the conversation going as a way of checking in on people, you know, like what'd you, what'd you learn this week? I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but it's important to check in. So many things that we could be that like the other piece that like, at least for me in the last year that has been like really, really like hammered home is that it is not the job of people of color, black people to educate us white people Mm -hmm. on everything. Just like it is not my job as a woman to educate men on everything. Now there's a difference between, Hey, I have a question. I was, you know, doing, I was doing some research. I was reading something. I'm a little confused on this and I want to get your perspective like that. That is a different type of conversation coming to somebody coming to somebody who is in in any way, um, underrepresented Mm -hmm. and saying, tell me, you tell me what I need to know, like, is not the way to go about that because it's basically saying like, I am willing to do the bare minimum of work. And I just want you to tell me what I need to know. So if you're like, what can I learn from this? And at least for myself, what I am taking from this entire story with Rachel Nichols is, um, performative allyship and what that is and how I can avoid being a performative ally because it is really easy to do all these things publicly and say the, say the right things publicly, share the right things. And then behind closed doors, not live by those truths and make things harder for people of color to um, progress in your industry, to get the jobs that they deserve, to, um, not have to keep, like I said, not have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are things where you may not individually be able to solve all of the world's problems, but you can certainly make a difference. Like you can certainly help chip away at all of our, you can help chip away at systemic racism and you can make it better for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. But like, if we're so resistant to checking ourselves and checking our own privilege and being like, I think a lot about like when we've talked on the podcast, the things that have often been the most triggering for people. And when we get reviews that are like, not for me, um, is usually when we talk about privilege or we talk about being white or we talk about, um, 
race, because it seems like for some reason, certain words, people, the second you say them are like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not talking about that. I don't want to talk about that. And it's usually around race. It's usually around privilege. And it's a lot of things where people go, well, I've had a hard life just because I'm white. I've had a hard life. And it's like, no one is discrediting that. No one is taking away from the hardships that you have faced. We could all sit around and talk about all the things that have shaped us and made us who we are. The difference is though, is even for me as a, yes, being a woman in sports is hard. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are not a lot of women in sports, at least in Nebraska. Yeah. And I, I get excited when I see m- more women who are hired or stepping into internships, but it's not enough, but it's not enough anywhere. Um, but I have to at least acknowledge the fact that my skin color hasn't made it harder for me. Being a right. woman has certainly made it more difficult, but being, being a white woman has benefited me in made it a little bit easier than somebody who may be black trying to step into this industry. And that is being able to say that again, does not take away from my work, does not take away from what I have done. It's just saying my, my path hasn't been made more difficult because of the color of my skin. Right. It's really, you know, I think of like with Rachel Nichols, I just spent a couple of days in a galvanized boot camp, and I loved what Laura Oakman said. She goes, when you look at somebody else and you see them progressing, you you might be tempted to go, well, why am I not there yet? Why are they here and I'm not? And she said, but we all have different paths. All of our paths are going to take us exactly where we're meant to be. And all of our endpoints might look a little bit different or they might look the same, but our paths are going to take different, they're going to they're going to ebb and flow. They're going to yeah. take different journeys. We're all going to get where we need to go. We just have to trust the path that we are on and stop looking to our left and our right and going, but she's here and she's there. And this person's here and this person's there. You are where you need to be. And for somebody who struggles with imposter syndrome, that is a really like helpful thing for me to stop and be like, I'm where I need to be. But that is where that can then manifest into really it can manifest into what happened with Rachel Nichols, where if you're constantly looking and comparing and going, why is she there? Why did she get there? Then you're looking at that person and going, well, she only got there because of, you know, because of this. Well, I'm sorry, Rachel, people could probably point out the fact that you're related to Diane Sawyer. Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and that probably feels really shitty. Like that probably feels really shitty. If you're Rachel Nichols and people keep pointing out the fact that you have an in with Diane Sawyer. Yeah, but exactly. You just made the comment that somebody is only where they did because of a diversity hire. Exactly. So when people start pointing out, well, what, how, why are you where you're at? You're going to get defensive and go, well, I worked hard. Well, why didn't that person work hard? Exactly. Well, and I think that this, we've had this conversation too before where um, typically like taking a look at why you feel as individuals, whether it's Rachel Nichols, whether it's whoever, why you or I or any other person feels a certain way or feels like something would be, be, be taking, sorry, I can't talk, be taken away from us. Why we would perceive it like that. Is it because you didn't work as hard? Is it because maybe you don't feel like you are as qualified as, as you portray yourself to be? Like what, what's the actual reasoning behind why, why anyone would feel something is being taken away from them or why, why the other person who may be competing with them for a certain job is, or is not more 
you know, qualified. If the person gets the job, I would think that it's because of their qualifications. So then taking a look and having that conversation with yourself, of why, why do I feel this way? Like, why do I feel like I'm like, I'm owed this seniority doesn't necessarily mean that someone's more qualified for a job. <laughs> no. And I mean, history has shown that people get jobs. Like, I mean, it's just the irony of like trying to make it about like, well, the only reason this person got this job is because they're trying to check a diversity bucket. Right. Like, I mean, how many times have, you know, like somebody got, somebody has gotten a job because their dad is the boss. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I I just want to point out, it's really easy to start spiraling down these paths of like, well, you only got this because of this and you only got, instead, I would hope people got the job because they're entirely qualified for that job. And now you, you may want to scream about, well, that's not always the case. Maybe not, but I would like to believe that it is. And I, like I said, I'm not here to defend Maria Taylor's resume her resume speaks for itself. It does not need any of us to tell you, but the reality is, is ESPN is likely about to lose one of its top tier talents and they're going to lose her to lose her to a competitor. And she is going to go and completely kick their butts. Yep. And for someone like ESPN, for a business like ESPN that has in, just struggled with, by the way, ESPN is problematic for so many reasons, but in the last so many years, they have done things from tell their employees, you can't speak about politics. You can't go on your own personal Instagram, your personal social accounts, your Twitter account, whatever. And you cannot talk about anything that we deem as potentially political. Yeah. You have to be just completely apolitical. You just have to have no thoughts. And they've done that. They have historically been difficult for people of color to work with them to progress. I mean, I just want to like, again, when we talk about how ESPN has certainly not been a strong leader through this, um, ESPN had declined to say whether any employees had been disciplined through this. So again, we talked about how this video had been uploaded to a server that was accessible by many employees at ESPN. One employee, Kayla Johnson, a digital video producer who is black, um, said that she had told ESPN Human Resources that she sent the video to Maria Taylor. Um, She is the only person who is known to have been punished by ESPN through this. Uh, She was suspended for two weeks without pay and was later given what is described as less desirable tasks at work. The fact that the only disciplinary action in this entire story happened to a young black woman who works for ESPN, who sent the video to Maria Taylor, probably out of a place of like, hey, you should know that this is going around. Like people are taking videos on their cell, like they're taking videos on their phones. They're sharing it. Maria was bound to find out from somebody eventually. So this this woman thought I'm going to handle it. Um, I'm just going to let her know. Um, she's the one who's ultimately, uh, she's the one who faces the biggest, you know, disciplinary action right. from ESPN out of anyone in the story. And I, like I said, there are so many layers where it's like, yes, ESPN needs the answer for why they handled this in the way that they did, because they basically insulated Rachel Nichols through this. They, they didn't discipline her. Like, I don't, I, I guess, Yes, you probably can't discipline their, discipline somebody for their thoughts, um, but you could have done something to mediate that. You could yeah. have tried to create a better uh, solution 
uh, than just saying we won't put her live with Maria Taylor. The right. fact that like ESPN, all of this said, we are going to suspend the person who sent the video to Maria Taylor. And then we're just going to basically like pacify everything else. We're just going to put a bandaid on it and hope for the best. That is on ESPN also as a company, but like, yeah. I do have to say, I don't know if anybody I don't know if you've watched it, Sasha, but I did finally this weekend, the Bo Burnham inside special on Netflix. I haven't. Um, I heard that it's uh, depressing. <laughs> it's, it's heavy. It's, it's very heavy. Um, there are some, again, everything has its upsides and downsides. Uh, we, we can dive into Bo Burnham special sometime, but like the piece is though, it's, it's, it is very funny. He's very funny. He's a comedian. Um, but he has this one part where he, he's pretending to be like a brand's PR strategist and he's mm-hmm. like, and he's like, you know, when you're a brand, like I tell them, like, you have to show up and like, decide like, what matters? Are you going to like step up into this fight and you're going to do this stuff? And like, he keeps like naming like brands that like, it's super funny when he says it, like mm-hmm. he didn't say this, but it'd be the equivalent of being like, like Pop-Tart, like Pop-Tart cares about taking a stand against racism. And it's funny because yeah, brands, like when you think about it, and this is kind of what I took from it, brands do not care about, they don't care. They yeah. just want to make money. So ESPN's entire place in this was to make money. So if we want ESPN to be better, you got to hold ESPN accountable for these things. And you got to tell them that isn't how things should be run and how they should be handled. And, you know, they're going to learn the hard way by losing someone like Maria Taylor that you don't get to like mess around and find out basically. Um, But when you lose these, these talented individuals to other networks, what's going to happen? People are going to go to those networks and the way that the world is working. It's not even about networks anymore. You could go start a YouTube channel. You could go get on YouTube TV. You could go do this. Like it doesn't matter anymore. Like you don't have to be tied to it an ESPN or a Fox sports or this, if you don't want to be. And so they're competing with more than just these big names. Like I said, mess around and find out. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there's so much that we could, like I said, keep, keep diving into. We've talked so much about sort of like similar topics around this on this podcast. I think if we could take anything and maybe this is where my brain was at with wanting to talk about it personally, is that we all really need to do a check-in on our, on our own allyship and where we support and where we're maybe falling short and where we could maybe do some personal work because Rachel Nichols is not an outlier in this space. She is saying things that plenty of other people are saying behind closed doors every single day. And we have to start chipping away at that because if we don't, we're never going to get anywhere. And I I've said this, I have misspoken on this podcast. I have messed up. I have said things um, and felt things and acted ways that I am ashamed of in hindsight. And you know what? I hope to continue to feel accountable for those things. Um, and I hope that we all can, like, I hope like we can kind of recognize that like taking ownership for our shit and the shittiness that we cause for other people is not canceling us. It is just hopefully making us better people and making it easier for others to, join us like don't we want more people in sports like don't we want sports to be inclusive sports is for all exactly that's and if 
if you're threatened by that, like have some reflection on it. Yeah. And that's, I think that you, you stated all that like perfectly. Like I, there's been times on this pot after we've recorded, I'm just like, wow, I need to sit for a minute (laughs) and figure out why I think the way that I do sometimes and just checking in on myself. Like, have I done this lately? Have I, have I, you know, actively pursued trying to do this, that, or the other thing, because that's Mm -hmm. a form of allyship. So let's go. Um, I, I just, I think that it is super important to continue to check in on ourselves first Mm -hmm. and foremost, but then check in on, on other people too. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Like y'all we're gonna, we're, we're going to mess up. We're going to say things that ultimately embarrass us. But I think when you can understand that, like there's, there's a lot of privilege, um, and there's going to be a lot of learning curves. Um, but the point is, is like, it's not perfection, it's growth. Yeah. And so I hope through this story that instead of seeking perfection, we can seek growth because I think that this can be a learning lesson that again, these conversations are happening far more in private than they are in public. And, you're not going to get a New York York Times expose showing every single thing about every single conversation. So let's just check in with ourselves. Let's, let's not be performative allies. Let's be true allies and let's continue to like hold each other accountable. And that shouldn't sound threatening. It should just sound like, Hey, let's make the world a better place. Right. Exactly. Well, I could yammer on about this for a while because I have so many thoughts. So we, we can keep, we'll keep having this conversation. Like we yes, said, we've we had a lot of this podcast, like similar topics. So um, pending no major news, uh, we will talk about name, image, and likeness in our next episode. So we encourage you to go check it out. But if you haven't listened to all of our past episodes, please go check them out too. Because like I said, we dive into allyship and everything else um, pretty heavily in other, other episodes. So I um, really encourage you to go check those out, re-listen to them. If you haven't, I need to re-listen to some of our old episodes and just like Thank have you. a moment of reflection <laughs> for myself. Um, but yeah, send us an email at mindyourownpodcast at hailvarsity.com. You can tweet at us. I'm at Aaron Sorensen. She's at Sasha72. Um, but we say this a lot. I mean it. Thank you for giving us a space to talk these things through and to sort of stumble and to learn and grow. Hopefully you feel the same, even if we're not always fully aligned on what we maybe believe in a certain situation. I hope that we all kind of learn and grow and make this better. And yeah, I, I just, I tell you y'all, we can be better. We can be better. Yes, we can (laughs) be kind to each other this week and next and just always, but we love you guys and we appreciate you listening to us. And um, like Aaron said, giving us the space to do just that. Yes. And also be kind to yourselves, Mm. be kind to yourselves. Uh, I think especially right now, it can get really hard sometimes isolating, especially around holidays where a lot of people are together to sometimes not feel like maybe everything is you know, going perfectly, check Mm. in with yourself, know that you have us rooting for you in your corner. Uh, Yeah, we're big fans of you. So thank you. And we'll be back next Wednesday with again, hopefully a name, image and likeness episode. But at this point, if it isn't, will you be surprised? (laughs) All right, have a good have a good one. We will talk to you next week. A Huda Media Production.